From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and joining me this week is Paul Krawczak, a senior budget writer at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Paul. David, thanks for inviting me. Well, it's a good time to be here because we are eagerly anticipating Monday's release of President Biden's fiscal 2023 budget request, the second request from his administration. It feels like we just finished the budget, and of course we did. It took them their six months late on last year's budget or the, the current fiscal year. Biden just signed that omnibus spending package a week ago, and here we are ready for next year's budget. No rest for the weary, it seems, but it is coming out Monday. And so we just wanted to preview some of the key questions here that we will be looking at as this budget gets unfolded. And I think, Paul, the first place to start, of course, is what tied them up for so many months last year over this, which is how much money to spend for defense versus non-defense programs you know, people will remember that there was a huge disconnect between the two parties over that, that just stymied progress for months and months on end, which is why it came in six months late, this this last budget. And now the question is, are we going to face that again? You know, Biden last year had proposed a huge over 16% increase in non-defense spending. And meanwhile, he tried to hold defense spending pretty flat what Republicans say was really a cut if you adjusted for inflation, that huge disparity between defense and non-defense. Should we expect to see that again, Paul, or do you think Democrats have learned their lesson that to cut a deal, they've got to come in, you know, close to equal? Well, so, I, I mean, they have said that it is going to be a generous defense um, increase. Um, now, it may not be generous enough for Republicans, but and they are advertising it as, as a generous defense increase. So we know that much. Um, in terms of the non-defense increase, we don't know. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, um, the, the proposal last year was unrealistic because it was a huge non-defense increase and a very small defense increase. And, and of course, that is what one of the main things that delayed reaching an agreement. So in this budget, it seems to me they have an opportunity to propose a, d- a defense increase and a non-defense increase that could be acceptable to both Republicans and Democrats. And if they do that, um, that could sp- facilitate the process of, of getting an appropriations agreement between the two parties in the House and Senate. Uh, I mean, if it's way off what Republicans would accept, then that would delay the process. Yeah, I think it's probably safe to say we won't see the same huge disparity there that we saw last year, if only because, you know, the other thing Biden is facing now is the war in Ukraine and this this effort to shore up NATO. And how can you do that and, and not have a significant bump up in defense? We're hearing talk of of maybe reports of maybe like a 4% increase for defense, which is a lot more than Biden tried last year, but it's still, of course, way under inflation. And so question there is, will Republicans argue that that's still a net cut to defense if you count inflation? 
so it seems to me we're still going to have a battle there over defense levels that that is not easily settled, um, but maybe less of a disparity than last year. So maybe maybe it'll be a little easier to reach some kind of compromise. Well, well, it could be. Um, I, I mean, re, uh, Republican, we can be sure, I think, that Republicans will not be satisfied with the defense number. Yeah. So that can be negotiated. But the non-defense number is a big question. Will will that be a modest increase to non-defense or will it be a larger increase in non-defense? Yeah, and it's certainly true that Democrats are have been really eager to boost non-defense programs that, you know, they say they're trying to make up for years of underinvestment in healthcare, education, environment. And this was their opportunity to do it with a Democratic president and a Democratic House and Senate. And this could be their last real chance to get that done if if Republicans take control in November in the midterm elections. And they certainly are aware of that. The question is, how hard are they going to fight to really boost non-defense? Because they sort of got burned on that last year, right? I mean, Biden wanted a 16% increase in defense, in non-defense programs, and they ended up with roughly a 6% increase. So a sizable increase, but not nearly what they wanted. And of course, I think, Paul, the other issue there is, is the Build Back Better agenda, right? Because they were trying all last year to pass this huge, roughly $2 trillion package to address climate change and fund all of these social programs that went nowhere, and they're, they're still trying to revive it. But the other question I have that we're going to be looking for, I think, in this budget is, could any of that stuff, childcare, paid leave, any of those environment, any of those kind of more healthcare expansion, could any of those initiatives wind up in this budget as part of their non-defense spending? But the question, of course, is how much room would they have to do all that? I, I would think so. I mean, those were very important parts of the, the Biden agenda and the Democratic agenda. So I, I would expect to see a lot of that in the budget. But one interesting thing here is that when you go back to last year's budget, the case they made, you know, you mentioned that they said that, you know, the underinvestment, the case they made is during an environment when we have such low interest rates, we should take the opportunity to make these investments because the interest rates are low and the financing costs are low. Well, now we are in an era of rising interest rates. So it's harder to make that argument. So it's going to be interesting to see what they propose in terms of, you know, what they call investments and, you know, the and the projected cost of, of, of that spending um, given rising interest rates. Right. That's a good point on interest rates. And, and of course, the elephant in the room there, Paul, is, is what happens with inflation, right? We're facing, you know, a 40-year high in inflation rates and... What is the White House going to assume inflation to be over the next year? That could have a huge impact on how much they can afford. That's right. And, you know, you go back to last year's budget and the theme was rebuilding the economy, uh, re rebuilding fiscal policy, reinventing um, uh, fiscal policy. Um, the, but, but that was before this big surge in inflation. So now, you know, you think about what Americans uh, are concerned about. I mean, in inflation is pretty close to number one. So um, 
so this budget is going to have to take account of inflation and you know the the, the budget you know it's it's uh, fiscal policy fiscal policy is limited in terms of fighting inflation but but it certainly can play a role so so we will see um, how they address inflation in this budget it seems to me there's sort of a double-edged sword there for the Biden administration because if they don't assume a high, a high inflation rate, they could get burned because, because there won't be enough money in their budget to account for all the inflation that we end up having. On the other hand, if they assume a high inflation rate in this budget, it kind of looks bad from a bad from a PR standpoint that you know the Biden White House is projecting high inflation all next year, folks, right as voters are going to be going to the polls in November to vote for Congress. It's sort of a no-win situation there. Do they go too high or too low on inflation? I mean, it, that, uh, that's going to be a huge issue. Right, right. It will be. So there's all of that. And of course, deficits, Paul, we should, we should touch on where we are here. You know, it was interesting in Biden's State of the Union address that he he was touting, I think, the largest uh, deficit uh, decrease in in modern history, over a trillion dollars or something, which is true, but it was sort of misleading because it came from an abnormal high after spending trillions of dollars on the COVID-19 pandemic. We had trillions of dollars of unprecedented extra spending last year. And obviously, as those pro- as that money ends, yes, we're going to be spending a lot less. And so deficits are coming down now. So the White House is correct, but they're coming down from a huge abnormal high. And I think that we're still going to see in this coming budget a deficit, I think it's safe to say, of well over a trillion dollars. And so we're this was we are still entering this period of trillion dollar plus deficits as far as the eye can see unless unless this budget contains some dramatic deficit reduction plan for coming years which they have not laid out so far but this was already sort of baked into the cake to have trillion dollar deficits each year now because of the structural imbalances mostly in the entitlement programs social security medicare medicaid uh, whose costs have been soaring and, and the, the baby boomer population is retiring. You just have a demographic issue there of, of uh, higher costs and fewer people working um, that, that, have yet, that is yet to be solved. That's going to weigh on them and Republicans are going to use that deficit number as ammunition to try to, to try to reduce the spending request. Right. I mean, I think in the last budget, I think it's fair to say that deficit reduction was not the highest priority. Spending and doing things was a higher priority. And, you know, if you look at, you know, the Congressional Budget Office um, is projecting that, you know, deficits, you know, based on current spending. Now, th- now this their projection is before the passage of the recent omnibus, but uh, they were projecting that uh, deficits would fall below a trillion next year and continue continue falling for a couple of years and then start rising again in a few more years. So, I mean, it's safe to say that this budget will envision higher deficits than that, but the question will be how much higher 
I would expect this budget to be more focused on deficit reduction than the last budget, but that will require, you know, tax increases, which were proposed in the last budget, um, but also some spending restraint if they're serious about deficit reduction. So we will see to what extent this deficit reduction is a priority in the in this budget. It, it, it will be very telling to see. And that would be a case for for taxes, of course, which we haven't talked about. Do you expect to see much in the way of tax increases in this budget or? You know, if there are if we don't see that, it's a pretty dramatic departure from the last budget. I mean, it is an election year and, you know, people don't like to see taxes raised. Um, But if you're going to pay for programs and, and not borrow all the money, you have to raise taxes. So. Um, I, you know, and, and the big tax increase in the last budget was the increase in corporate taxes. And I mean, I would be surprised if they, if they back off from corporate tax increases, taxes on the rich. I mean, that was the theme of the last budget. Right. Um, I would be surprised if they back away from that. He will for sure stick to his pledge not to raise not to raise taxes on anyone earning less than four hundred thousand dollars a year. But of course, they have been eager to raise taxes on corporations and, and upper income households. And and that was partly what was also going to pay for his Build Back Better initiative. So we'll see if they try to how hard they try to push that in this coming budget. So there's going to be a lot to look for in this in this package. And, and it won't be an easy sell. And it's it, and it's never an easy sell in an election year, you know, to get that done. The, the new fiscal year will begin October 1st, but they never get these done on time. I'm, I'm sure it won't be done by October 1st. Top appropriators do seem eager to avoid the delays we suffered last year. They we, we did hear from, from Pat Leahy, the chairman of Senate Appropriations Committee, saying, he intends to push this quickly. He wants to meet with, with top appropriators from both parties, House and Senate, soon after the budget is released to get going on this. They do need to cut a deal on spending levels. But do you really think this can happen this year, Paul, this calendar year when election season kicks in? I mean, if I were a Republican, I wouldn't be so eager to negotiate a budget deal knowing that if you just push it off until early next year, you know, Republicans might take power and then they could reshape all this if they wanted to. Um, does that give them much incentive to negotiate quickly right now? Uh, yeah, that's that is true. And then the other the other factor there is that, um, you know, in an election year in particular, you know, this this is a political issue. This is a campaign issue. So, I mean, Republicans can use this as a campaign issue to fire up the base opposing, you know, Democrats proposed spending increases, deficits, et cetera. And Democrats also can use um, the budget and their proposals um, in the campaign as well to fire up their bases. So it may make more sense politically uh, for both sides to um, try to fire up their base with their arguments on the budget as opposed to reaching um, a deal which neither side will be happy with. And the bases, uh, the Republican and Democratic bases, similarly, would not be happy with. 
Right. And when you're busy trying to fire up your base for elections, you're not busy uh, cutting a bipartisan deal that's required to actually get spending bills enacted into law. And so that's the dilemma they're going to face this fall, which is why we might be looking at another stopgap funding measure just to avoid a government shutdown and push this off. But of course, Democrats will be eager to wrap this up this year, knowing that they could lose power next year. So there's certainly incentive for Democrats to cut a deal, and Republicans may know they have the upper hand there then. And, and you know, maybe by December, November, December, there's hope for something, but who knows? We're going to have to see. But a lot to, a lot to uh, look for here. The budget comes out on Monday, so hang on. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but CQ Roll Call will be covering it all for you in all the gory details. That does it for us today. Thank you, Paul, for being here again. Thank you, David. And we will be back to dissect what's in this big, giant budget package next week. 